0: Here it comes. It's the Music City Real Estate Show with Andrew Buckwalter. Coming to you from his roving camper studio, The Rambler, in Nashville, Tennessee. Join us as we travel about town to discover the best real estate in areas you want to know about. With expert advice, finding the best deals, and meeting Music City's hit makers and emerging artists who call Nashville their home. And now, Here's Andrew.
1: Hello, Nashville and all you other listeners out there. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode six of Music City Real Estate Show. Today, I'll be sitting down with Brandon Hutchinson with Legacy Mutual Mortgage. And actually, the month of July, I'll be focusing on lender information, credit repair, what types of loans, And any other thing, uh, lender-related, refinance, um, all kinds of good stuff. That's what uh, I'll be sitting down with Brandon today, and we'll be talking about credit repair. And then I will be sitting down with Aaron Loy. He has actually been my music pastor for the last, uh, I think, 12 years, quite a while. So uh, it was uh, really fun sitting down and actually getting to know a little bit more about his music history and uh, having him play a couple songs in the Rambler. So sit back, relax. Hopefully the credit stuff will be helpful, regardless if you're buying a home um, or just in general, just something to, to make sure you keep an eye on so you know where your credit sits and um, you know the importance of paying all your bills on time. So without further ado, Aaron will play a song on the guitar.
2: That's right. So here is a, uh, this is a song called Thank You in Advance. I wrote with my, uh, my buddy Mike Bauer, and um, it's a song, um, a lot of times in our lives we uh, we thank God after stuff happens, and and this is one that kind of takes the opposite approach, thanking Him before, uh, before the good times come sometimes, so... <laughs>
3: Children sing a song when you parted the sea, and I have done the same when you made away from me. Though I love to sing your praises for all you've done in the past, this time I wanna thank you in advance, in advance for your provision. How your hand is gonna move In advance for your protection As I follow after you And if there comes an answer I don't understand I'm still gonna give you thanks In advance Your disciples stood in awe when you calm the wind and waves and Every storm that I've gone through well, You left me amazed and Though I love to sing your praises For all you've done in the past This time I'm gonna thank you in advance In advance for your provision How your hand is gonna move in advance for your protection As I follow after you and if there comes an answer I don't understand I'm still gonna give you thanks In advance Thank you for what you're gonna do Thank you, you're gonna see me through Thank you for what you are gonna do Thank you, you're gonna bring me through Thank you, for what you are gonna do Thank you, you're gonna see me through Thank you, for what you're gonna do Thank you In advance for your provision How your hand is gonna move In advance for your protection As I follow after you In advance for all your wisdom And how your head is gonna move In advance for your direction I know you're gonna bring me through And if there comes an answer I don't understand I'm still gonna give you thanks I'm still gonna give you thanks I'm still gonna give you thanks In advance Oh, thank you for what you're gonna do Thank you, you're gonna bring me through Thank you for what you're gonna do Thank you, you're gonna bring me through Thank you Jesus,
1: we thank you. Hello, Nashville. This is Andrew in The Rambler. I am sitting here with Aaron Loy. That's right. And he's laughing at me. He's seeing me in interview uh, fashion. That's right. The Rambler. (laughs) That's that's awesome, man. Great work. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Thanks. Um, It is, I think, as I told you, every time I take it driving, it's like, man, a new bump. A new piece of wood. I'm going to glue that. I might
2: have to change that. I Had a cracked piece of wood here. It's kind no. of crazy. Well, but, but I it's bet pretty bouncy. I bet people are noticing it too, right? They are. Yeah, I mean,
1: pulling me over. I've already given autographs and
2: everything. <laughs> I'm sure. Pretty famous, man. Thanks for I letting know. me be on your show. <laughs> You're welcome. Actually, I will send you an invoice. Yes, I appreciate that, man. That would be that'd be good. I hope it's cheap. Uh,
1: yeah. So so uh, so Aaron is our um, worship leader music leader awesome leader at our church and how long have you been here now man
2: i've been on staff at the church since in some way shape or form since 2004 and so kind of started as a part-time guy and um and just over the years i've kind of grown up to where i oversee worship ministry on both of our campuses and um so that usually means i'm playing and singing somewhere each week and uh Man, I've even preached a few times. Kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah. Actually, I was uh, yeah. I was pretty impressed, man. I mean, you had your system down and Shoot. your. Did yeah. you have the bullet points, or you didn't? That no, I did.
2: I, I do. I'm I'm kind of an outline guy that's when I'm right. doing that, and so yeah, I definitely have my points, and like I had six in my last yeah. sermon. So you know, it was that's good. a little bit more than that's a little bit more than your your right. typical three, but right. we got through it fast. I so. was
1: uh, I was pretty impressed, man. Yeah. Um, so. So, yeah, man, it's been great seeing you over the years um, as our church has, you know, had its ups and downs. Right. And as I've told you a few times, I think you've been, you and Kara and all the awesome talents I've pulled in, you've been the, um, kind of the, definitely the music foundation. But I've heard so many people that. Have left over the years um, because of you. No, it wasn't because yeah. of you. And they always went back to it going, man. You know, we can't, we can't replicate that music. You know,
2: uh, we're blessed um, with a good team. Definitely,
1: yeah, you've, so. you've, you've got a touch of finding some talent
2: for sure. No, no. it's just
1: trying to get them off the road from that's, their it. that's
2: what it's all about. Professional
1: man. gigs and getting them in here and playing with you.
2: Surround yourself with good people, yeah. but, and then and then things go well. And these these guys love jesus too which is really important for what we do right right right
1: (laughs) well so tell me a little bit um so you're from texas i am yep and so how'd you get your music going at what point age did you say hey i want to play a guitar singer
2: sure well i started uh from the time as as little as i can remember i watched my dad um really he was a singer and he traveled and he would lead worship for churches and he was on staff at some churches, and so I really grew up listening to gospel music and, uh, and to a lot of country as well. So, like, if I ever hear Ronnie Millsap on the radio, then that triggers kind of these mm-hmm. wonderful memories as a child, because everywhere we'd go, we'd listen to Ronnie Millsap, and, um, man, it was just incredible. And so I kind of cut my teeth on that, a lot of Gaither vocal band stuff that I listened to when I was young, the cathedrals. And so when I was 7 I sang my first solo in church and and I kind of knew even then wow. that I loved it. Mm-hmm. And so at that point I was just a singer didn't have any instrument interest at all right. cuz I was okay. you know I was a typical kid and I was interested in playing sports and and just doing all the the stuff that I could do as a as a kid and
1: S- so what do you think you loved about it? Was it the being on the stage? Was it the applause because you were so
2: cute, you know? At well, seven, I mean, playing? <laughs> obviously cute would have been a big part of that right, for sure. Right. But um, but no, I think the, I remember being so nervous uh, the first time that I sang, but then just recognizing that people listened and, and that it it was a it was kind of different because I was seven years old, you know, and so why would they be listening to a kid that was seven years old? And so that was kind of I didn't fully understand it at that point. But as I grew as a singer, as a kid, started I recognized, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to have a voice and and share the things that God has done with with my life. And then as I got a little bit older, I started writing love songs, trying to woo the ladies, you know, that kind of stuff. Nice, you got to nice, use, I mean, right? you gotta use right, that if you definitely. can, right? So, um, so I kind of <laughs> stuck my foot in the water there that way, trying to, to write some love songs. And, and uh, most of them came out with a little bit of a country edge to it, right. and that kind of stuff. And so over the years, it just, it just became something I loved. And then in uh, high school, I kind of taught myself piano and just said, well, I need, I can sing, but I need to be able to to play an instrument or something so Mm -hmm. that I can do that at any other place. So did
1: you actually, you just taught yourself? I did, and
2: I, I, I kind of started figuring it out and, you know, looking at some books back then because we couldn't just pop online you know yeah because i was sitting
1: here thinking, i'm like well you could just go to youtube right now we didn't have it so i had to
2: look at the books and see where to put my fingers for chords and all that and once i taught myself enough then i went to a teacher for about six months that kind of gave me some music theory and and i honestly just began to play by ear i've always had the ability to hear something and sing it and then that translated to where i could hear it and play it and so i just Kept getting a little bit better at the keyboard, and Mm -hmm. now I'm just good enough to where I can sing along to it. I'm not going to win any awards for playing piano. And then when I got to college, I got tired of carrying around my keyboard. And so my roommate was a guitar player, and... He said, "You know, I can show you a few things." I said, mm-hmm. "Please do." And so I bought my first guitar, and that's where I started. So to you wrote learn.
1: first, then you played the keyboard, then you learned a guitar, or did it, you play guitar? It was kind
2: of it was keyboard first, okay. And then as I started learning the keyboard, that's when I began to to write and okay. start to put down some some thoughts because it was really just singing up until then. Um, vocals has always kind of been my strength mm-hmm. as far as um, what I think I'm okay at, right? But. Um, but Being humble. Well, but you know, that, that's just the truth. I'm not a great player, but I can I can get by. I can get by and play and right. sing songs and that kind of right. stuff. And so, so it was a cool opportunity because I was an athlete in high school okay. as well. What did you play? Played uh, mainly baseball as an all state pitcher down in Texas. Okay. And I um, uh, actually went to college with the hopes of, of playing uh, ball. At Dallas Baptist University, and and I uh, went there and um, didn't get a baseball scholarship, but they were able to get me some other scholarships that helped me be on the team. And uh, I figured out pretty quick that you know what, this is—it's been a great run in mm-hmm. athletics, but I needed to kind of begin to focus on something else because I figured out, man, this is five hours a day, pretty much all year long, right? And I don't think I'm going to make the major leagues. Right, you know, I was right. a short right-handed pitcher, and so, um, so I started really working the music thing. Led music at uh, at the Baptist Student Ministries Council there, and mm-hmm. and we've made the first band there at Dallas Baptist University. So it was um, it was a lot of fun to to do that because I'd never done anything like right. that
4: before.
1: That's pretty cool. Yeah, I remember back in college. When how old are you? I am forty. Okay, so I'm forty two. Yeah. So um, I. I listened to well, I I'll ask you this as I mentioned this, what other genres? So you said country. Yep. Did you listen to anything else? Do you yeah, listen to anything else on I, the side that, you know,
2: absolutely. You I mean, can't
1: I, disclose? No, I mean I
2: there there was a there was a point in time when I was pursuing kind of a pop rock thing. Okay. Now, you know, I heard the Vertical Horizon album yeah. when it first came out and I was like, Man, now that is that's right up my alley. I want to do that. So I kind of worked on some of that. But um, but always listen to church music, whether that was gospel. As as I was going through college, that's really when the passion movement hit. Right. I remember that. You know, yeah. and so and so that was. Actually, that, I, went to, I think I went to one of their concerts. Yeah, at our I'm church. sure yeah. you did. It, it revolutionized what church music was like. And right. so I was kind of on the front end of that and got to see that. And so we started playing and listening to a lot of those songs as well. Yeah. But, but I like I like any music that's good, right? You know, um, started uh, my roommate in college introduced me to a lot of stuff that I'd never heard before, right? And, and it was more rock oriented, and well,
1: you know, were, that was the alternative era, yeah. Right? That, so I well, that like I mean, you know, user
2: and yeah, some of that stuff was was going on, and obviously, I was in high school when Nirvana came yeah. out and, and all that, and that was a kind of a landscape changing yes. band you know and so yeah you always like that kind of stuff but then there was a point where you kind of recognize you know what i may not right sound quite like that right, right.
1: yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i actually that came on another day i was in a bathroom and i think it was hudson and i just started playing the air guitar and the drums yes, to absolutely. that and he was like all right rock on daddy what well, my, so i i asked you that because i was um i was into the r&b and the right. hip-hop and the Rap, I yep. mean, all that, all that stuff, and uh, and then my brother in law had turned me on to STP, yeah, and then that opened up a whole new genre, you know, yep. of alternative stuff. And I love that, um, but it was funny because as I was listening to all the rap and all that stuff, um, I remember DC Talk, yep, and Jars of Clay, yeah. uh, Jesus Freak, yep, and Flood, yes, and I Absolutely. remember going, that was like the only Christian music I listened to. I was like, man, this is. Yeah. Oh, we got the train. There's a
2: train, man. They How about that? That's right.
1: Um, music and, city star. Yeah. And the music's close to the music city real Work. estate. show. that didn't really go. Together, I says, so.
2: right. <laughs> Hey man, the star wanted a plug. There it is.
1: So, yeah. um, but, but anyways, it was just funny. Cause I uh, man, I would jam those songs. Cause yep. they, the music was great. And, and then it wasn't until I got into college. Um, and I, then I started dating Natalie and, you know, started going to church a little bit. Right. And, uh, and then I met a couple of people that, um, I don't think he played, but at the UBC, and they had the acoustic, we started yep. going to church, and I was like, wow, there's Cademan's Call, Bebo Norman, oh, yeah. which I met Bebo a couple yep. of years ago. Um, but, man, I was, I was I was my eyes were open to a whole new genre of, of Christian music. It was I funny, I no it's funny you was
2: mentioned uh, DC Talk and Jesus Freak. That was what I would call my first... Um, major concert that i went to okay. when i was in high school and i mean it, it was or i don't honestly i don't remember when that record came out but it was i remember that concert as being the moment where i was like oh my goodness there is a whole different level to um not only what worship music could be but just just recognizing man that's that's different than a gospel concert right
1: <laughs> well yeah because you know? i had no and, idea what the music was and that was Totally grabbed me, yeah. and, Well, Well, it was on mainstream media
2: too. Yeah, and and I mean radio. they they crossed over some, and mm-hmm. it was you know I, I remember they did a Tonight Show performance that was just like whoa, that's crazy. And so it was they were very influential in the in the um, in, in my life, recognizing that man, God can take music and and yeah, use it in ways that you never even imagined. You know, crossover in ways that I mean they I don't think they ever planned that. They were right. they just kind of did their thing, and and people gravitated to it. You know, what was it?
1: Is it P.O.D.? Who is that? Was that... They're pretty there heavy. Was, there was, yes. And P.O.D. Then, uh, was pretty heavy. When I was uh, rehabbing a camper, I'd throw the buds in, I'd listen to some stuff. Yeah. You ever heard of the, the, the guy, N.F.? I don't think so. So, he literally, he sounds like Eminem. Huh. The style you know with some attitude or yeah you'd say anger but man listening to his story and the testimony right in his lyrics like it's pretty cool you That's know awesome um so yeah it was, it's neat that there's just such that
2: yeah. wide array of of you know music and i i would also have to say the only, I, I it wouldn't be right if i didn't mention petra i'm old yes. enough to remember petra you know right the this means war album was a big deal in my life and and uh, that was like, whoa, that's different than anything I've heard at church. And so right. kind of cool, kind of opened yeah. the door and, yeah. and made me think outside the box of what I knew at that point in time.
1: Right, right. And which is cool because you incorporate really a lot of different styles in our We need to get Ross up here and do a little fiddle or something. Yeah, that'd
2: one, be, yeah. That'd be that'd fun be stuff. Cool. We, we like all types of music, yeah. man.
1: Um, so what brought you to Nashville?
2: Well, you know, back in um, 2002, early that year, probably in January, I, I really began to sense in my heart, I was living in Dallas, had always lived in Dallas, um, went to school there, all that kind of stuff. And just all my life was there, friends, everything, family, super close to my family. But early that year, I really felt out of nowhere um, being led to, to go to Nashville. And it was crazy. I I had no idea what that was about. And nobody I mean, else
1: was here. Not, not, you not family. I right. mean, I
2: had, there was, um, there was a couple of folks that I, that I knew had, Moved here, mm-hmm. and then I had a, a uh, relationship with the strength coach for the Titans, at, uh, who's actually still here, Steve Watterson, and um, and so through all of that, I began to just explore what's that look like, and so it was a, it was about a six to eight month process mm-hmm. that I kind of wrestled with what God was telling me to do, mm-hmm. and and at the end of the day, I got down to it, and I realized God's telling me to go to Nashville, mm-hmm. and so I'm either gonna do what He says. And even though I don't know what that's going to look like, that was the hardest thing for me because I'm a type A personality. I want to kind of know the plan. Mm -hmm. Um, I care about the details and and packing up all my stuff and leaving everybody that I knew, including my job, which was at that point in time, I was teaching voice. And um, and it was it was a good thing. I was Mm -hmm. single and I was, you know, making pretty good money teaching voice and didn't have a lot of desire to just up and leave. But I knew in my heart that's what God had called me to do. And so, long story short, in November of 2002, I moved to um, the Brentwood area, mm-hmm. kind of Brenniac is kind of right. kind of where right. it was. And I moved into this little 580-square-foot apartment. And um, I'll never forget, my parents helped me move. And uh, once I got all moved in and it was that day for them to leave, and, you know, watch them drive right. off and just kind of sitting in my living room going, now what?
1: Oh, you yeah. know, you just broke down and cried. Well, no, there was right? definitely tears,
2: yeah. absolutely, because it was like, <laughs> man, what's going on? Two weeks later. My uh, girlfriend at the time broke up with me via text, which is always, really? which is always awesome. Well, I, I mean, was wondering because you yeah. didn't say
1: a woman. I thought, well, maybe you didn't you didn't hit the the yeah. music too good with singing the love songs. So. Yeah, apparently not. But, and the text wasn't crazy big. No, nah, not at that point in time.
2: So it was like that was a whole different thing. So, um, but all of that, uh, though, it was difficult at the time and painful at the time. Um, God had a plan, and yeah. one of the first people that I met here in Nashville. Uh, turned out to be my future wife. Really? And, and it wow. wasn't it wasn't one of those like, you know, people tell you they have love at first sight. and all right. that. That's not our story. I remember
1: we, some of that story. You know,
2: I mean, we had a mutual acquaintance that said, hey, uh, Kara moved to Nashville in July and you're now moving there. So you should at least, you know, get in touch with her and see what church she goes to and all that. And so that's what we did. Um, I emailed her and said, hey, I'm not a stalker, but uh, I got a friend that said I should you know, ask where you go to church and all that. And so,
4: that's pretty um,
2: cool. so I met her, uh, just as a friend yeah. and, and, um, and it took us a little over a year and some life circumstances to get to a place where we were kind of like, well, maybe we should date. And so that was all part of God's plan that I never would have experienced right. had I not taken that leap of faith. Right. Right.
1: So. And got over cause it's kind of like the leap of faith too, but there was probably a lot of fear in there oh, absolutely. that you were like, oh. I got to push through it and keep moving if he's calling you you know well
2: and and honestly uh not to get too far off track but in in the first um five months that i was in nashville uh when it got to uh, march my dad had a massive heart attack Mm. and and so having been as close to family as i am that was a big deal because god miraculously saved his life that day and and it was one of those things that Okay, once I was done with helping him get back up on his feet and Mm -hmm. I came back to Nashville and it was kind of like that moment of like, man, I'm going back home. I don't want to be here anymore. But my dad told me something that time that has always stuck with me that um, circumstances don't change the will of God. And so I had to really... Locked down on that and realized God had called me to Nashville. And even though my circumstances had mm-hmm. changed and even though that was hurting because my dad had gone through a lot. Right. And you're fearful that he's going to, you know, something right. else is going to happen.
4: What if I'm here well, and
2: I got days to I had decide. to trust God. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what it came down to. And so uh, it really grew me a whole lot from a place of recognizing that I can't be in control of everything. And um, and so he really guided me in each step mm-hmm. and um, stretched my faith a whole lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is cool, I mean, because when you say those two things, you can't be in control and stretch your faith, all that, you know, our church has gone through over the years and you being in a role of, of, you could be a good influencer, But which I know you've obviously had some influence, but at the same time, being patiently standing back, right, just giving it your all and, you know, letting happen what happened, you know, Um, and seeing many people come and. Thank you. See you. Yeah. <laughs> we know. Well, you
2: know, the, the thing about where we are and how long I've been here is, yeah, you've been through some good times, been through some bad times. Um, but to recognize that um, there's something to be said for for sticking it out. Right. You know, I and I think well. that's that's true spiritually. Mm-hmm. It's also true in life. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I remember when we first met many years ago, you weren't doing real estate. And, right. And you had to transition from some. I think there was was there some carpet or something I, in I was
1: in uh, transportation Tru- and commercial trucks. Yes, sales that's what it was. Then, it was trucking
2: yeah. something along yeah. those lines. So, I remember you transitioned from that and and I know that probably wasn't the smoothest thing. You, you know, it's you funny, could, I don't even remember.
1: But yeah. it 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 was a god thing, you know. It was I, I don't always chalk up everything going, man, I don't give him the credit, but I do right. from going from that
2: to Yeah, this. well, and and just to have watched you grow as a as a agent mm-hmm. and you know you had to stick it out right. and you had to um, to persevere through the early days when mm-hmm. it's never easy for right. any agent, you know? Yep. And, and that's, so there's, there's something to it to being faithful to what God's called you to no matter what. And, and that can translate both spiritually and into your daily mm-hmm. life to your work as well. And so, um, so I don't have it all figured out, but I try to, I try to remember that in days when things are difficult right. and, and just go, you know what? Until God tells me something different, I'm sticking it out, and I'm going to do my best that I can, whether that be as a dad mm-hmm. or a husband or as a worship pastor or whatever that looks like. Stick in it. Right. You know?
1: Well, and I know it had to be tough because, you know, knowing you're a big— Texans fan, nope. football fan. Not Texans, no. I'm a big <laughs> Texan. You, you I'm a yes. big
2: Texan. You threw me off there for a second. No. So, yeah, no. so Texans
1: fan, right? Yeah. Te- what, are you Miami Dolphins? No, nah, what, no, nah, man. Your there's team? only
2: one team. There's only one team. It's the Cowboys, and that's it, man. That, that That's it. I love it. You no. said, yeah, I was like, hold on, he must not have heard me there. I'm a big Texan. That's where I heard you. And <laughs> yes, yeah. So, yeah, yes. I don't. I don't root for the Texans. Well, They're my memal, awesome. I I grew
1: up so you know, being South Arkansas. I watched the Cowboys. Right. Um, everybody watched
2: it. It's because it's America's team. Of it, course you
1: did. It is. Yeah. It is. But, you know, we didn't have an NFL team either. Yeah. But uh, I can remember, we watched it during those three or four years where they won all the championships. You know, then my mamaw, she was a big Oilers fan. Yeah. So when they moved up here, she yep. became a Titans fan. Yep. And then where did the Texans come from?
2: The Texans were just a an expansion franchise. Okay. And so I always remember they they came online and that, you know, that first year that they were a team, they mm-hmm. actually beat Dallas. That year, which oh was, wow! I mean, that was so irritating. I think that was the Quincy Carter year as a quarterback and all that kind of stuff. So, right. right. Um, so yeah, I always been. I was. I was a. I was in high school when they won their three championships in four years, and um, man, you can't not be a fan when you're around that. And so it's in me. And now, right. even to this day, my dad, and my brother, and I would go each year to yeah. a game, usually an away game. And uh, we travel, and this is kind of part of it. Yeah, it's awesome.
1: I saw a sheriff. I thought maybe he was coming to get me for something.
2: Nah, man, they uh, they might have found out where you are, uh, but they yeah. they're typically just doing paperwork in this parking uh, lot. Like, right? Yeah, okay. that's what okay. it is. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So that's. I'm glad you're a nice little Cowboys fan. Um, let's see. So, what are some cool venues you played at?
2: Man, the uh, I've had the um, I guess really just the blessing of being able to do national anthems at some pretty cool places. Um, I've done Dallas Mavericks did the Texas Rangers, uh, did the Dallas stars. And, uh, there was a indoor soccer team called the Dallas sidekicks that I did a bunch of that as well. I did the Nashville sounds here. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, probably my favorite is, uh, one of the aspects of my writing and music career is that I do some writing, um, uh, some corporate writing, okay. some theme songs and stuff like that. And one of those companies, I'm able to uh, to perform and play at AT&T Stadium mm-hmm. down in Dallas. And that's, of course, the home of the Cowboys. So it's like the best of all possible scenarios where – it's being the stadium that I love with the team that I love, you know, it's represented and basically the stage sits on the star. And so it's right. kind of cool to be there in that. And, and you got people cheering you on there. Yeah. I mean, they, yes, there's there's some of that going on. There's pyro, there's fireworks and, yeah. you know, haven't even performed with the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders sometimes. So that's probably the most memorable, right. biggest venue right. that I've been in. Played a lot of small venues as well. Really cut my teeth uh, at a place called the Great Vine Opry down in Texas and that's where I uh, did a whole lot of performing uh, mm. beyond the church in um, that place. And so it was a, it was a whole lot of fun to, to be able to do that and always looking for new places to, yeah. to play and sing as well. And you've gotten to sing at a few new buildings here, too, right? That's right, man. With the church, we, we opened a couple new buildings ourselves. Yeah. Yep.
1: Um, yeah, definitely. And if you want to hear, Aaron, come check them out at uh, the Fellowship of Two Rivers. and
2: Fellowship of Mount Juliet. Fellowship.cc is our website. You can see us live there each and every Sunday morning.
1: Great first half of the interview with Aaron Loy. Now we get to listen to Brandon talk to us all about credit how important it is, uh, what to do to repair your credit, and how beneficial it is to have excellent credit for many things in your um, purchasing needs. So here's Brandon. I'm sitting here with Brandon from Legacy Mutual Mortgage, and we got about three pages of questions to be answered. He knows a little bit about mortgages. You've been in it for, what, three
4: months? Uh, three months and 16 years. Wow. Nice. So you mean 16 years and three Maybe months? Maybe that's it, yeah. <laughs> so I've worked with Brandon for,
1: I guess, five and a half years now. Since um, you've been in the business, right? Yeah, I jumped into business. I went to a Titans game, and he was there. He tried to get my home mortgage then, but uh, I had some other competition. So uh, <laughs> he didn't win out, even though I was actually, I was kind of reflecting on that this morning to, to wonder how competitive you were, because I know you're a pretty competitive
4: person. Oh, yeah. So I think we um, could have got it. But you were committed to your person. from church. Were you the
1: one? Yeah. Were you the one that sliced my tires, though?
4: No, that was the sugar. In uh, the tank. OK.
1: OK. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Brandon has been in the business for a long time. He's probably pretty much seen everything. Just as he sat in the camper to start the podcast, he said, I got a 911 call and somebody from another state's trying to commit. Uh, lender fraud, right?
4: Uh, yeah, loan fraud. So yeah, loan we found fraud. some false documents today uh, from a client. So that's always fun to deal with the legal aspect. Yeah. So he's pretty much seen everything. And I can
1: attest, he saved quite a few loans from some other lenders that uh, that I had worked with that actually referred me a buyer. And Brandon had to take it over and end up finishing it up and closing it out because they couldn't. So he, uh, he definitely knows what he's talking about. And definitely one that when you're in the market give him and his team a shout, and we'll give you all that information later. So uh, let's see, this one, let's let's start out on credit, kind of focusing on credit, how important it is, what's some ideas and tips to uh, improve your credit, get some stuff off, because I know you've walked through several of my past clients and helped them, you know, through that process as well. So, so I guess, actually first, Let's let you talk a little bit. Tell me a little bit about you, your 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 history and in getting into the lending business, you know, some background stuff on you.
4: Okay, well, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I've been in the business just over sixteen years. I kind of happened into the business. I was working in uh, computer in the IT field and got laid off from a startup company. And uh, my dad said, uh, "You should go work for a mortgage company. I said, "What's a mortgage company?" So just young out of college, didn't know anything about finance or mortgage. Thankfully, there was a low barrier of entry in those days for the industry, so it was it was nice to, to get in and kind of get your feet wet and just jump right in to the deep end of the pool, so that's what we did. I just fell in love with it, so I'm a numbers guy, math guy, and so I, I really like that part of it, love the problem-solving aspect, like arguing and trying to figure out ways to make things work, so I get to do that with underwriters, so it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been doing it for a while, I met my wife in this industry, we've been married for 10 years now, I have two kids, so we live here in Franklin, and uh, yeah, love what I do every day. Yeah, we're actually hanging out in Franklin today, at, outside of his office, in his parking
1: lot. Well, cool deal. Well, you made a good decision. I know you've kind of seen your ups and downs
4: a little bit with the market, I guess, because you were in it in 06, right? 07? Yeah, absolutely. 07, 08, 09, rough years. But, uh, hey, we survived. Most of the industry got out and stopped, so uh, kept going. Didn't know any better. I'm nothing if not stubborn, as you can attest to. Mm-hmm. So, Amen. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but no, it's uh, you know thankful to be in a in a really good time in the real estate market and mortgage market here in Middle Tennessee. All right. Well, let's uh, so let's start on credit. What are I guess in general what some factors that affect your credit score? Well. The biggest factor that affects credit score is your payment history. So making your payments on time on accounts that report to your credit. So that would be accounts like mortgages, auto loans, credit cards, student loans, any kind of installment debts, things like that, uh, installment revolving. So the number one factor is definitely payments being on time. And then if there are negative events, the length of time it's been since those negative events have happened. And then you get into some other factors like proportion of balances to the credit limits. They have to be a certain percentage of the uh the credit limit to look really good in the eyes of the the credit bureau so what you have to remember about the credit bureaus is it's not any common sense it's not like sitting here talking to me or you not that there's a lot of common sense there but um it's Hmm. an algorithm so they're just uh they're just machines it's just an algorithm plug the numbers in and it spits out and tells you what what you come back with as far as a credit score and i know
1: uh, i know you've helped clients of mine in the past to Pretty, be pretty strategic to about pay off this one, pay off this one. So, you know, you kind of fit in those algorithms that, so it incru- it improves your credit pretty quickly, you know?
4: Yeah. I mean, the, the negatives with an algorithm is it doesn't take common sense into a uh, factor, but the positive is you can figure out a way to manipulate it. And so there's ways that you can work with it within the, the rules of that algorithm to get the maximum credit score you can. So there's always a way to improve credit. No matter how good your credit is, there's always a way to improve it because it's actually impossible to maximize out the credit algorithm. So 850 is the top possible score, but you can't actually get an 850. So there's always ways to improve your credit. I was close.
1: I was. I think it's taking a hit and then it comes back and, you know. All right. So if you, uh, if you don't have a credit score, what's the best way to get a good score quickly?
4: So probably the number one easiest way, and I'm sorry for all the Dave Ramsey listeners out there, but uh, is to get a credit card. Um, A secured credit card, to be exact, um, is really the easiest way. You put up a couple hundred dollars as collateral and a bank will give you a credit card with that much as a credit limit. You want to use it correctly. If you've never had any past history with accounts open, it'll take six months of activity to generate a score for the credit bureaus. After those six months, if you keep the balance very low, you're going to have a really good credit score. You can have other accounts too, but a credit card is what we find is the fastest way to move it quickly. Like if you have an auto loan, something like that, it'll still do it, but won't move it as much as a credit card will.
1: So if you get a secured and you put, say, open it with 300 bucks, is that your limit, 300 bucks? It is. So technically you're not really doing a credit card in the terms of, you know, you got
4: $5,000 available and then you rack it up, but Correct. this is set. Yeah. So, the secured credit card. Now you, that money, you still have to make a monthly payment mm-hmm. on it. So that money is just sitting in an account as collateral. Basically right. the entire time you have that credit card. What I usually tell people is get a secured credit card when you're building credit, have it open for a year. And then you can usually get another credit card at that point because your credit's good enough and you don't have to have that as security anymore. So is it kind of like a savings account, but
1: through a credit card?
4: Yeah, but the bank is gaining the interest. You're not gaining any interest or anything off of it. So they're okay. just holding that $300. So they're, they're taking that and they're using that and collecting interest on it from other sources.
1: But on the security, your, your limit is that $300. It that's is. it, okay. correct. Okay.
4: Mm-hmm. And so another, another point on that, like I said, in credit scoring, one of the factors is your proportion of balances to credit limits. So if you have a $300 credit card, you never, ever want to go over $90 because that's 30%. So when you're building credit, 30% is the magic number. If you can keep it between 1% and 30%, you actually build credit faster than if it's zero. So common sense, again, tells you to pay it off, but you're actually better off by leaving a small balance on it that's between 1% and 30%. But again, if you go over 30%, your risk factors go up a little bit. Um, So down the road, after you have a lot of credit, you can go over 30% if you want to, but I never recommend going over 50% because it does ding your credit score.
1: Now, just curious on a secured, mm-hmm. if you're only paying, so you want to, but you pay it off every month. No, no. so you don't. So yeah. What
4: I recommend is go out and charge $90. You know, I tell people buy some groceries, something like that um, on that $300 example, mm-hmm. buy $90 worth of groceries or go buy something that's about $90, pay it off over three months. You'll pay a couple dollars in interest, okay. but it's going to build your credit right. a lot. Okay. And it's worth that couple dollars, two or three dollars you may pay in interest. That's and that what actually I was is about. more beneficial and then don't use it anymore during those three months, just that once. Okay. And then at the end of three months, repeat the cycle. All right, cool. So yeah,
1: so you're kind of in some sense paying a little bit of money for some great credit, which eventually could save you a lot of money down the road or for that matter, get you in a house. Right. Absolutely. And then in that matter, it could help save your rent. Right. Right. Absolutely. So yeah, it actually, you're right. It's definitely worth it. Um, so regarding, like, uh, if you're dealing with collections um, or charge-offs of negative information, what what's advice on that?
4: Yeah, so a lot of times people will um, think that, okay, we can just get rid of those, like pay them off. Um, but you want to be careful on the accounts you do that. Um, what we liken it to is waking a sleeping giant. So if you have old collections or charge-offs, if they haven't reported in a couple of years and you pay them off, you're actually going to hurt your credit score. Um, so really it just depends on data last activity and the data that was last reported. So you want to talk to, uh, if you're getting a mortgage, you want to talk to your mortgage professional and make sure they give you advice and they look at your credit report of the data last activity because you don't want to wake up that sleepy giant and actually do damage to your credit by paying off. So again, common sense goes right out the window.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, that's just talk to your lender for sure for that, for sure. Um, uh, are there any types of accounts damaging to your credit?
4: Yes. So, uh, one area where we see people, a lot of times will go get credit. They think it's a good way to establish credit is to go to a finance company. Um, I won't name any cause I don't want to disparage anybody, but, uh, you know, the finance, like they're usually the ones that are offer, you know, some, not the greatest of terms, you know, 60, 70, 80% mm-hmm. interest, really high interest. Um, but anyway, they're like unsecured finance company type of accounts. Mm-hmm. Those are actually viewed as the highest risk type of accounts. And mm-hmm. on a mortgage report, uh, credit report, those are considered high risk. It'll actually make your score go down. So if you're trying to build credit with those, it could be very counteracting and it could take a long time. So people really pay 50, 60, and 70% interest? Sometimes hundreds of percent. Well, interest. yeah, I guess you're true because they borrow a
1: little amount. Yeah. they have they'll to borrow
4: $1,000 and they'll pay it back, you know, $100 a month for 15 or 18 months, you know, and so <laughs> sometimes 36 months. I remember I had a truck driver back in the day and they could get up to 50 bucks
1: a week. Um, and every week he would get it and he, you'd have to pay $10 for the $50. And we tried to talk to him. It's like, why don't you just not get it one month, save that $50 mm-hmm. and then, or save $50 during that time. And right. then you'd be able to, you know, weekly live off of that. Cause it right. just amazed me that, I mean, for, for yeah. $50, you'd spend 10 bucks. Well, a
4: lot of the ones they'll advertise, uh, the way you can tell it's a finance company is they'll advertise like you bring in your car title and mm-hmm. they'll make you a loan. Against it, so sometimes they'll do unsecured, and then sometimes they'll be secured against things like your car title. But those again are very high risk accounts and uh, astronomical interest rates, and they are actually viewed negatively in the eyes of the credit algorithm.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, how about if you have if you've had bankruptcy, um, does that disqualify you from buying a home? What's the um, some, you know,
4: blah blah, some sort of stuff on that. <laughs> so, if you have bankruptcy. Um, it is going to be damaging to your credit first off. Um, but that doesn't automatically disqualify you down the road from having a good credit score or from being able to buy a home. It just really depends on the loan program, which we can talk more about that, you know, when we talk about loan programs and things of that nature. Um, but it doesn't automatically disqualify you or give you like a bad mark for life where you can't get credit. All
1: right. And then I know there's different types of loans too. Was that, or sorry, not loans, but bankruptcy Mm -hmm. chapter Seven, 13,
4: 22, and 19, and 44? <laughs> Seven and 13 are the two most common. So, chapter 13 is the one you repay all the debts. Okay. They put you on a payment plan. Uh, it's usually five years, and you repay all the debts through the But the court, uh, the trustee, separates out what money goes to which creditor and how much goes at this time and how much goes at this time. Uh, so, that one is not as damaging to your credit, um, but it takes a long time to go through. Five years, obviously, is a long time to be in bankruptcy. So, your credit's not going to. Move up very much during those five years. The other one is called the liquidation. That's chapter seven. So that's probably the other most common one. And that is basically all the debts are wiped out. Okay. So, how about medical bills? Um, will that keep you from buying a home? Medical bills uh, by themselves will not. So, medical bills, uh, again, they can damage your credit score, uh, but they're not viewed as harshly as other accounts when considering buying a home because many times medical bills are the result of a mix-up like with insurance companies, things like that. Money that should have been paid, um, but wasn't necessarily your responsibility to pay just because the insurance company got into an argument or something with the medical provider. So uh, they don't automatically disqualify you. And if you have, I've seen people with hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical bills. Mm -hmm. um, And so that won't automatically disqualify you from, or give you bad credit or disqualify you from getting a mortgage.
1: Okay, so when it comes to medical bills, the actual people within the lending offices will look at that and take that in consideration. So even if maybe it has some effect on a credit score, mm.
4: y'all might be able to work with that? Or, or Absolutely. Not. I mean, I think the biggest thing, like any scenario, any of these questions you want to ask, I mean, the biggest thing is talk to you know someone who you trust, like a financial professional, a mortgage person, loan officer, somebody like that, and get some advice on what actually works in the industry. So a lot of times, uh, people will go to lots of different sources, you know, their family member who they think is the expert on credit or maybe even an attorney or things like that, but they don't really understand what necessarily works best in the mortgage industry. So you just want to look, if you're buying a, a house, you want to look at what works best in the mortgage industry and you want to sit down with somebody who's going to help you with a comprehensive plan and look at all phases.
1: Mm-hmm. So i um, speaking of credit. Uh, what's the difference? You know, like I know if I'm on Credit Karma and it says, you know, I have, you know, 950, And then a lender looks at it and says it's X amount. What's the discrepancy in in the different reporting companies?
4: So it's a different scoring model. So um, a few years ago, it was something that was changed in the industry. So mortgage companies and banks, we all pull a a mortgage type report. And this is a different scoring algorithm than what you as a consumer can pull. So like your annual credit report, your free credit report, your credit karma, even like the ones discover and those ones that monitor your credit for you, they pull a consumer based report. And so it has a different scoring algorithm than what we pull. So the scores are very rarely ever the same. Sometimes we'll see hundreds of points of difference in the credit score versus the consumer model wow. versus what we pull. So, generally, good credit is an indicator of good credit, mm-hmm. but there are things that aren't taken into as much consideration. Right. Okay. Um, so, how about a credit repair company? So, there are a lot of companies out there that claim make a lot of claims with credit repair. Um. I would just say be careful of anyone who's making a lot of claims and a lot of promises to you up front, especially before they've ever seen what the situation is. Um, There's actually some kind of litigation that came down in the last week uh, with a government agency, the CFPB, cracking down on credit repair agencies making false claims to people. So Mm. making claims like you pay $99, we guarantee we can get this off your credit report. We can get these things taken care of. So um, I don't endorse any credit repair company. I generally give the advice myself and say, hey, I'm not going to charge you for it. I just want to do that to be your trusted advisor as far Mm -hmm. as all things financial and mortgage. Um, But again, there are a lot of there may be some good ones out there, but there are a lot of people who aren't the most honest and who give advice. So just be wary, uh, especially before you give them any money. Mm -hmm. And generally speaking, if you if it was your responsibility, don't trust anybody that says, hey, you don't actually have to take care of it or have to pay it. And so that's what a lot of credit repair companies. Yeah, no, you don't really have to worry about it. We'll get it taken off your credit. Right,
1: Yeah, and of course that that, uh, makes me think of just referring people to you over the years of even if they thought, hey, I'm going to go with this plan of action or this, regardless if it's the type of loan, down payment, or credit repair. And I know you've sat down with them because being the numbers person and have um, advised them this or that way, and they were pretty appreciative because they weren't thinking about stuff like that. Um, So the same thing with the credit repair. You know, that's again why... It's good to talk to a lender that mm. knows what they're talking about in terms of that so they can guide you. And I'm, I am I, know not all lenders are created
4: equal as well. So um, be leery of that, <laughs> That you know. Yeah, my opinion is, I mean, your whenever you're doing, you know, buying a house from a realtor, you're getting a mortgage, you're doing something major financially. I mean, take the time to sit down with somebody and make sure that uh, one They understand your entire situation. They understand the implications, what it means for your family financially. Um, And that's on both the real estate and the mortgage side. Make sure they look at your overall picture and that this is going to fit in your long and short term plans and that they have your best interests at heart and you truly believe they're going to give you the best chance of, taking care of you and make sure that you're in the mm-hmm. best shape financially and i know there are some lenders that actually like to get
1: in front of you they'd like to get you in the office so they can discuss get to know you because you know one of the reasons why i've used brandon is because i like um one i like the relationship but then i like my buyers to be taken care of and when there's more of a race relationship involved if stuff does get tight because again you know, buyers can communicate this or that. And sometimes when it comes down to getting close to closing, that's not always the case. And so to have someone like Brandon fight for you through underwriting and push things through that, I know he's had to do, um, sometimes, um, you know, taking that initial time to have that face to face appointment is key. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're ever locked into anybody. Um, but obviously, um, that's kind of, that's
4: the point of that, you know. Yeah, thanks for all those difficult clients, by the way. Oh,
1: you're welcome. Hey, you know, you <laughs> got to have the difficult ones for the good ones. You do,
4: you do. Just like me. I believe uh, I believe mortgage is a face-to-face business, so I tell people that. So a lot of times we'll have clients that just can't or won't or don't want to meet face-to-face, but if at all possible, we'll try to go to them and meet them face-to-face just because it's better to have a relationship. It's better to have some added accountability.
1: Yeah, I got to say, you know, a shout-out to all the lenders out there who Work hard and uh, make us realtors look really good because I know you are the ones that have to answer all the questions like, really? You need the hair sample now? You need the toenail clipping? <laughs> yes, we Can't do. <laughs> you just trust me? Look at the form. Why does it not make sense? And I always go, you know what? We don't want another 06 or 07 where everybody who gets approved, um, you know, ends up falling out on homes because that messes up a lot <laughs> it hurts all of us as we saw the recession right it Hurts a, all of us a big part of it. right so I always tell people might like, just hang in there I know <laughs> it's very frustrating and I know you thought that you got all the stuff but all right so how about credit card closing mm-hmm. if uh, you know if you close a credit card down will that help your score
4: uh, no one of the factors and I don't know if I mentioned this earlier when I was talking about the factors of credit score one of the factors is length of time accounts have been established So you want to have some accounts that are open for a long time. So credit cards are good accounts to be open, like an installment loan. If you have a two-year auto loan, it's only going to be open for two years max. But a credit card you could have open. I've seen people with 20, 30-plus years of like an American Express card or something like that open on their credit report. That is a huge factor in credit scoring the length of time because the thought process being with the algorithm, if you're responsible enough to keep an account in good standing for years and years and this creditor keeps extending credit to you, then you're probably a low credit risk, and you're somebody who's going to have a good credit score. So, um, yeah, if you have 50 credit cards, you want to close some of them, but uh, you know, make sure you keep the ones that have been open the longest open, and then use them every six months or so just to keep them active.
1: Right. Okay. How about um, how about checking their credit score? You know, it's probably like some people when they're in the market, they know that hey, this is going to be a big transaction. My credit score is super important right now, um, so they're checking it all the time. About like when they're looking for homes and checking Zillow all the time. And so does that hurt? Does it matter?
4: Yeah. So what you want to be aware of, um, you want to be really careful, like auto loan, like car dealerships are sometimes bad about just shotgunning your credit out to 40 different banks to let them look at it. So that will hurt your credit, getting your credit pulled over and over and over and over at the same time. Now, when you're getting a mortgage, you get it pulled once, maybe twice in a 30 or 60 day period, it's not going to negatively affect. So every time you pull it, it doesn't affect it. Basically, you pull it and then you have a little bit of a window there, mm-hmm. um, which also we keep your credit report for 90 days. so We don't have to repull it if you it takes you unless it takes you more than 90 days to find a home. Uh, but even in that case, sometimes we don't have to pull the entire report again. We can just update some accounts. So, uh, yeah, just what you want to be wary of is you don't want to call 10 lenders and have them all pull your credit the same day. Same thing like with getting an auto loan. You don't want the, the car dealership to send it out to every bank that they would work with mm-hmm. because it could hurt your credit. But getting it pulled once or maybe twice is not going to hurt your credit.
1: And I did find out, I forget who, who threw, but sometimes be leery of um, when you're getting a car because you think you're getting it pulled once and they actually pull it and it hits a lot of different places. i would heard that from...
4: uh, Yeah, always ask that question. If you go to a car dealership and they ask you if you want financing, ask them how many banks they're going to get to pull your credit. And tell them, I only want one. Tell them, basically, if you know you have good credit, say, I I want the one that has the best rates or the best terms, just get them to pull it. Um, And then if that doesn't work, then they can maybe try one more. But definitely don't have them send it out to everybody at once. And on that note, don't buy a car if you're looking or you're under contract to buy a house. <laughs> right. right? Don't, I mean, don't change your financial situation while you're under contract to buy a house. It's going to make your life miserable. It's going to create lots of headaches for you. Uh, your underwriter is going to start asking for things that you make you want to pull your hair out. And I know the lenders, they communicate
1: and send you know things to do and not to do during that time. But again, don't make any big expenditures after right. you're under contract. Right. I so once they'll had go a,
4: buy a car after you're under contract. Or, like some clients I had a couple of years ago, bought a $15,000 lawnmower because they were getting the house the big yard. <laughs> it totally messed up their, their home financing. <laughs> so oh. it changed their debt ratio. It uh, ended up, yeah, it changed everything. So they didn't need the lawnmower anymore. Yeah, they yeah. didn't need the lawnmower because they you pr- couldn't buy the house. You probably still got it closed, We, right. we got it closed. Right. But it, was, yeah. it created some chaos at the last minute when it didn't need to be. And I don't know why you need a $15,000 lawnmower unless you're starting a lawnmowing business. Somebody was really excited about that big yard <laughs> that we were right. getting. That's
1: right. That's pretty funny.
4: Um, how about the income? Does the income affect the credit score? No. So that's a common misconception. Um, a lot of people think that, well, I don't make much money, so I'm not going to have good credit. Um, that's not true at all. Um, basically, you pay your bills on time. You manage your credit responsibly. Whether you make you know, $20,000 or $2 million, you're going to have good credit. Now the guy with $2 million is probably going to get higher credit limits. And again, that proportion of balances to credit limits comes into play. So his credit may end up being better because of that, because his balances are lower. Um, but just the income alone does not affect the credit score. Paying your paying your bills on time, making sure everything's always current, that's going to keep your credit good, no matter how much money you make.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, how about if my score is bad, will I ever be able to get a loan?
4: There is always a way. If you're willing to do the work and you're willing to put in the effort, no matter what your credit score is, I mean, your credit score can be 450. If you're willing to do the work, it may take a while, but that doesn't mean you're not ever going to be able to get a, a loan for a house or for a car or something like that. You just have to do the right things. And again, follow the advice of a trusted professional. Somebody has your best interest at heart. And be prepared possibly to make some sacrifices. Absolutely. Short-term uh, pain for long-term gain. Yep. Um, so how about
1: if uh, if I dispute info on my credit, does that get rid of the bad, bad credit?
4: No, that's another common misconception that people have um, is they can just go through and dispute accounts that actually belong to them. So, you know, they didn't pay this bill to JCPenney's or whoever and have this charge off on their credit. I'm just going to go through and dispute it and say it wasn't my responsibility. Um, It will, for a short time, take it out of the scoring model. And so it might artificially inflate your credit for a short time. However... Um, that loophole has been closed up in mortgage underwriting. So we're not allowed to have those type of accounts in dispute if there's a balance on them. So we're going to make you take that out of dispute and then it's going to rescore your credit and then your credit score is going to fall back to what it actually was. So the only time that you should dispute is if the account actually didn't belong to you and you have some kind of proof. And if it didn't, then it should be very easy to dispute and you'll get it removed off your credit very quickly. But don't ever dispute accounts that actually belong to you or were your responsibility. So what is the ballpark credit score that's needed to buy a home? It's a moving target based on different loan types. Um, Like we have some government loans where we can buy in the upper 500s. So like 580, Um, that's like FHA and VA actually VA. We can go a little bit lower than 580 Uh, in conventional loans due to risk-based pricing and things like that, which is a whole other conversation. You probably want to be in the low 600s at least just because otherwise the terms wouldn't be so good. But, but generally speaking, we kind of shoot for around 600. Again, we can do it a little bit lower than that, but that's a good kind of starting point.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's funny as you answer all these questions and I ask them, I'm sitting there thinking, well, don't worry about this stuff. Just contact a Brandon. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Absolutely. I mean, pull your credit score, let them scrub through it, let them guide you, point out. So again, if you're, and I always tell people, some people are like, you know, if, if somebody calls in on a house or you know they're a year out. I'm like, hey, it's a great time. Six months out, whenever, go ahead and reach out to a lender um, because the credit is key. You know, paying your bills, as I say, pay what was what my saying? I don't remember, but it's pay your <laughs> bills because you know it, it's going to save you money, a lot of money in the long term. Because when you think about credit, you know, one, it depends on it, it's going to potentially affect your interest rate. Mm-hmm. It's going to affect your mortgage insurance. It's going to affect your homeowner's insurance, your car insurance. If you, I don't know, does credit affect, well, I mean, just anything that is financed, you know. Um, But actually even
4: insurance. Yeah, insurance, everything. I mean, it affects, yeah, insurance for sure. Um, Just lots of things. I mean, even if you're renting, it's going to affect you because you're going to have to have a huge security deposit if you have really bad credit or you don't have any credit. So you're going to be considered a higher risk. So credit's important. Yeah, you buy a. Buy a house, you buy a car, you go to rent an apartment, um, many different things. So you got to have, need to have good credit, and um, pay your bills. So, I mean, you know, of yeah. course, obviously, sometimes things
1: come up, but you know, it is. I don't even know if it's so much pay your bills. Like, just be conscious of your credit score because there are so many people that will mm-hmm. refer to you, and maybe the spouse, you know, has great and the husband's terrible, and sometimes they're clueless about it. And I guess I've always been conscious of my credit score because. I guess the fact that I had a lot of debt um, mm-hmm. throughout college and I, I remember getting my first free t-shirt. <laughs> um, and then I remember getting a gold Citibank card that I was, I, I felt, you know, pretty impressive that, you know, I got this card with 6,000 when it was really like, that was the worst thing you could have done. <laughs> right. you know? But I always, for whatever reason, I always, I'm like, I always prided myself and paying my bills, you know, and, uh, and it's, Paid off because I've always had good credit when I made big purchases and it saved me a
4: lot of money. So, yeah, unfortunately, there's a lack, <clears throat> excuse me, not to go on like a soapbox, but I think there's a lack of financial literacy in our country and there's not really an education about it. Um, you know, especially if you're raised like I think the way you and I were probably both raised, we weren't raised really w- around money. Mm-hmm. Um, or necessarily people who understood the best way to manage finances and things like that. So you go off to college, and you're on your own, and all of a sudden you got people handing you credit cards around every corner. And then, hey, you can get a free T-shirt, you can get this, you can get this mug, you can get whatever, you know, for getting a credit card. And next thing you know, you turn around, and you got 25 credit cards in your wallet. And Mm -hmm. you get into a mess that could take you years and years and years to get out of. So um, I kind of have a soft spot for for people that have had credit issues, and I'll sit down with everybody. Uh, It doesn't matter what their credit is. Um, And help them come up with a plan. But yeah, to your point, I mean, I, I like to sit down with people. We have people two years out and we sit down with them. We don't get paid on that until they close. uh, Mm -hmm. But we're happy to sit down with them and show them that we actually care and that we want to help develop a plan. So Mm -hmm. I believe that uh, it is definitely a missing piece in our country right now. There just needs to be more financial literacy and just education on how to get credit, how to manage credit responsibly, how to budget, how to save money, how to, you know, pay your bills. Um, because if you don't learn it, you'll be 40 and still struggling with the
1: budget, you know? I mean, that's what I mean, you know, we hired a financial advisor, um, and trying to get all that stuff in order, you know, just because you just, if you don't watch your money, just like if you don't watch your credit score, not that you yeah. have to watch your credit score, but you know, if you're just not aware of that stuff, you know, you never know what's going on behind the scenes that you could be, that you could help a lot,
3: you know? Um,
1: sure. and, but also you talk about that. It makes me think of student loans too, because- you know, we see quite a bit of people in student loan debt. And it just makes me think about my thought is seek wise counsel. If you're young and you're going to college, but hopefully as parents listen to this, um, you know, make sure you're, you guide your kids um, to be good stewards of their college choices, you know? Um, and if you don't know, seek somebody. I got a good friend and I really respected what he did. His daughter wanted to go to some Ivy League schools and, um, that were quite expensive, but she was only going to get so much of a scholarship. And he basically said, um, all right, so you got that. This is what I'm uh, uh, willing to do. And we're not signing on any student loans. And I'm like, you know, that would be tough for a kid to accept. But when I see some of these degrees that some people are getting out of college with and the amount that they're owing, (laughs) it's like, oh my God, did they not have any guidance? You know?
4: Um, anyway, so uh, no, we see it all the time in our industry. We see people with, um, you know, jobs making $40,000 a year, which is a, you know, is a good living in most parts of the country. Um, but they have $150,000 in student loan debt and somehow that, you know, that, that just doesn't, the numbers don't really add up there. So it's hard, it's hard to see that sometimes. So yeah, just be responsible and yeah, seek wise counsel of people, no matter, you know, find a financial advisor, find a banker, or mortgage person, or somebody who you can trust that, you know, because if your parents don't know, you know, just try to find somebody who does. And hopefully if your parents out there, you know somebody, mm-hmm. at least who can give some good advice on that. And on that note, if you ever need a good financial advisor, Brandon and I both know some
1: good uh, good ones around the, the Nashville area and can refer you to others as well. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, Brandon, I think that's uh, quite a bit on credit. I think uh, if people, either one, contact you, contact yeah, your team get you, you know, get you squared away. Look at the credit score. Even if you're six months, a year out, um, it's a good time. You know, if you just jumped into a, a house or apartment, start renting, start working on your credit because it's going to pay off. Um, I think big time down, down the road, you know?
4: Yeah. It's never too early to start planning. So we, uh, appreciate being on and, uh, love the chance to, to talk to anybody and help them out with a plan. All right. Cool deal. Sounds good. Appreciate it, Brandon. Thank you.
1: Now that your brain's fried, listening to all that credit repair stuff from a numbers person, now you can turn that off, sit back, listen to the second part of the interview with Aaron Loy, and hear him play one more song on the guitar. So one last question, Aaron, for all the musicians, aspiring musicians looking to uh, move to Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chase their dreams Their hopes Obviously it's easy When you feel a um, A calling To it You know Um, I would say It it could be easier You know Right Um, But So what's some advice You would give to uh, To the many That are moving to
2: Nashville To pursue um, Music Yep You know the One of the most Jolting things About moving to Nashville Is a lot of times You are kind of A big fish In a small pond Wherever you might be Coming from And Um, it's just not the case here. Um, What the stories they tell you are true. Every waiter, every waitress, it's kind of what they're here to do, especially if you get downtown and all that. And, um, and that's not to discourage anyone. You just kind of have to know what you're coming into. And so um, one of the things that I think some people make a mistake with is they, they come to town and they're trying to be like an artist that's already out there. Mm -hmm. And, and that's just not what the industry is looking for. They want somebody that's unique and has a lot of individuality and kind of knows who they are. And so if you can write your own stuff, that's always a big plus. But don't be afraid to come to town and just be you and obviously work to develop your craft. You got it. I mean, there's, there's songwriters everywhere. Um, and co-writing is something that that I would encourage to all of them to to get out there and, and hear other ideas and hear different styles and see how that pushes and, and draws you into something that maybe you never would have gotten to yourself. But it's a great place to be the, um, Nashville and the surrounding areas. Obviously we're in a Mm -hmm. suburb right now and, and we love it and there are places to play and you just got to be, uh, willing and humble enough to go play them and, and do it. And, uh, and, and pray a lot about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. When you get
1: into that fear mode, I'm not going to make it. Yeah. Um, oh, it is funny because, you know, being in real estate, you can't help but have radar, realtor right. radars. Right. Yep. And so now that I'm kind of incorporating some music into it, yep. you know, it's like I'm kind of, I'll just be looking and listening. And it's amazing because that's the funny thing is when you're talking about real estate, it comes up. Well, right. if you're not in the music industry, which I'm not. Right. Um. I'm not talking about a whole lot. Well, now that I'm talking about my podcast, I met with a guy today for coffee, and uh, he plays the mandolin. Yep, um, in a band. I forget what he does, but yeah, it's, it's amazing how many musicians are out there. Yeah. You know, because you've you're, you're in the in the industry. But and come uh, on, be honest. Yeah. There's
2: gonna be a day here when we when we see. Andrew playing Maybe. a song hey, on the podcast I'm, I'm
1: gonna learn is that what's so gonna happen going here to. is that where this
2: I'm is going. headed Yeah. so
1: I've always wanted to you know write the love song to yeah. Natalie you know yeah. something like that so that's um, it man yeah I'm, I'm getting inspired that's, that's what I'm doing
2: well so. you you uh you could do it. You just, you know, I can do it. Huh? Be do you honest, think so? Even truthful? at forty,
1: can I really do it? Do I have the time with three kids to do it? I mean now the, is, the time is.
2: question the time question I don't know about, but you could you could do it and all that and you know if it's not good, we'll all laugh at you. Yeah, so. right. So I guess uh,
1: technically I could just pick it up and <laughs> that's go right. and yeah. just
2: play some, some song, right? That's right. You got you got what the Arkansas roots or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's <laughs> that's it's who you cheer for I'm at naturally. least, right? Yes, Razorback. Yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. So. So.
1: all right, cool. And then Outside of music, oh yeah, let's you know we got to add too that your wife Kara, mm-hmm. she has a great voice as well, and yep. she she gets to uh, help you look good on stage absolutely as well. Yeah. Um, now, what does she move here for? Music too, or what? You no, know, she... it was
2: it was a very similar story. She just felt God was leading her here at the, at the at a similar time, wasn't the exact same time. Um, and she grew up in Western Oklahoma mm-hmm. uh, on a farm, and so she had lived in Dallas for a little bit. She had. Um, she lived in Alabama, poor girl. Um, at some point in time, but uh, <laughs> but uh, she ended up in Tennessee, and obviously part of that plan was for right. us to meet.
1: So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, four kids. So what all? What all do you do like doing outside of uh, church?
2: Man, we are. Um, we love hanging out with the kids, and we love sporting events. Um, we're at a you know we're at a place where our kids are finally old enough to where. We we're out of diapers, which is a great thing. My kids are 10, 8, 6, and 4. So mm-hmm. there's all kinds of energy in my house at all times. And um, and so they keep us busy, but they, they have all kinds of interests, whether it be they, they're actually singers. We have one that loves drama. We've got mm-hmm. athletes everywhere. They want to play sports and do that kind of stuff. And, of course, this time of year, the only thing they're really interested in is swimming. That's right. what they want to do. And so um, so we try to find new ways to do that right. as well. Yep. Right.
1: Actually, I know somebody that's getting their pool cut down the road from you. Yeah, there's that's a few good. pools in your neighborhood. We'll
2: uh, we'll go crash the party. Yeah, that's they, it. They're yeah.
1: all they're all about it. Um, so switch gears, just a couple minutes yep. on real estate. Sure, advice. I know you haven't bought in a while. You did. Yep. You, I think everybody in Nashville because it's such a fun hot market yep. you know they they kind of keep their eye on it here and there yeah. any tips to give uh, buyers or sellers in this market
2: well you know the the thing that we experienced we bought we bought our house probably gosh it's been six years ago um, almost six years ago and so market was slightly different then mm-hmm. and we did we did a whole lot of looking and my wife is one that's pretty motivated uh, to get online and search it out you know she'd use every website that she could and if any realtor sent her something, she'd take a look at that and, and all that kind of stuff. And funny thing for us was is that the way we ended up in the house we're in now, um, we obviously believe God was part of this, but mm-hmm. we looked everywhere in the Mount Juliet area, which is where we live, and we had found a few things that we kind of liked. And as we were driving through one of the neighborhoods, we saw a for sale by owner. Mm. And was it listed? Anywhere. And and she was getting ready to to list it at that point in time, but we were able to— see the sign, call the number, kind of hear where it was at. We mm-hmm. thought it was a little bit out of our range. And so we did um, what we thought was the best thing at that point in time, which was make our very best offer first. Mm-hmm. And and we made sure and, and let them know that this, this is what we can do. And that's as much as we can do. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, she took it. And so it was one of those things that we had been looking for a long time and then this opened up because we've been praying about it too, right. you know? And so right. I, in this market, I can't even imagine uh, in Nashville right now what it's like because things go so fast, mm-hmm. you know, for what we're doing right now, we keep watching the home values in our neighborhood. And, and get so, excited. So right. you're, 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 tempted to just like try and sell. we've even looked at the possibility of like, what are we going to do to sell it? Well, the hard part about that is, well, what are you going to do? You know, right? where are you going to go? Right, you right, know, and, right. and that kind of thing. And there's always something new. I know that, but, but by the time you sell your house and all that kind of stuff, and and you make good money right now on right, doing that, right. but there is we got to buy something, and so the 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 it's amazing to see how hot this market is. Right, I'm, so,
1: I'm laughing because I got a text from somebody, a past client, friends that are in your neighborhood. Yeah, and the text I won't say it exactly, but what the heck is she doing with these comps? Somebody listed their house. Yeah. And and after actually I looked at the comp, I was like, eh, they don't have a price too bad. Yeah. You know, I mean, it wouldn't. But she has no intention of selling. Yeah. But she's still just watching. You know, it's like a new listing. Yep. It, it was funny. I got cracking. I well, like, you know, I, I mean, said, you're not planning on selling anytime. I mean, she's like, well, you know, never know. You hey, know, it was it's funny.
2: like I always say, everything's for sale. Right. The right offer, I'll sell my house right now. So right. you just remember that. You right, I I'll give, I'll
1: give you that. Take that sorry. in. Yes,
2: yeah, the right offer. I yeah. list. <laughs> Actually, quite a few have sold in your house like over
1: the last six months. They in uh, sell house, the, in your neighborhood. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I crazy. mean, because it's not. You know, it's not a huge, but. There was about 12 in the last six months or
2: something. Yep, and it seems like as they go on the market, they're not there... No, it was all any, pretty quick. ...any more than maybe two or three weeks at the most? I'd
1: say most of those, actually, with the exception of a couple, were gone in yeah. three, four days. So, so, they, they so I mean, lose. I guess the
2: only advice I would say, and, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but it, it seems like it's a market right now where you got to be aggressive with your offer, and yep. you probably... You can't play around you got to make the best offer you can and Mm -hmm. and then you know if you're a seller then man that's good right now
1: (laughs) yeah well when you said that it made me think of that because you know obviously you know in a lot of cases multiple offer you're gonna have to you potentially have to go back but right you know sometimes even if it's on the market for a week you know some people might want to try to get a little bit of movement there but sometimes it's better to say hey let's uh Let's go in aggressive lock it down.
2: Yep. You know, See, so tell me, I'm. I'll, let me flip it on you here. Right. I'll ask you a question. So right now, okay. what, like if if people are selling their homes and all that, are they having to pay closing costs like they used to uh, when the market, like when I bought, that was right. a, that wasn't even right on the table. If you know?
1: it's if it's at a certain price point, I'd say three hundred and up. Yep. Um, if it's been on the market say over a week, then you could. Possibly still get it. Yeah,
2: is IKEA coming in?
1: IKEA's there? Yeah. across the street and a new development. No. But um, and I got a couple other in Old Hickory yeah. that that are going to be around the two two twenty five price point. Yeah. Well, those you can and I would I you know I always hesitate when I talk to people. I don't ever like to go. Yeah, man, it's a guaranteed because right. I guess I never want to be called out if it didn't, sure. doesn't happen. But no. in general. If it's like two fifty under, you know, good condition, yeah, you you don't have to expect closing yeah. costs. Most people are still asking for title, just right? Because it's a small amount versus, yep. you know, six thousand. Sure, um, but yep. yeah, um, so in most cases you're not. Yep. Um, but cool. it, it, the market's stabilizing a little bit, yeah, um, especially in Davidson County in Nashville. Yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said there's you know five six hundred thousand price point. They're starting to sit a little bit. Yeah, so. No, nope. but we can't keep up out here. Right.
2: All right.
0: right
1: so let's uh, have you grab guitar right. and play so a guitar. Absolutely. So this song, did, um,
2: it's called "Safe in Your Arms," and I wrote this with my friend Hunter Sparkman, who's also a worship pastor, worship leader at our church. So, um, so yeah, that's this one.
3: And I am safe in your arms resting in who you are Covered in peace as you sing over me your love Draw me away from the storm Near to your beating heart there's nothing to fear i I'm here Safe in your arms You're my refuge You're my strength The rock that I lean on when I am weak, You carry me. You rescue me. Now I am finally free, and I am safe in Your arms. Rest. In peace as you sing over me with your love. Draw me away from the storm, near to your beating heart. There's nothing to fear, cause I'm here, I'm safe in your eyes. You're my comfort, you're my hope Jesus, you've called me I am your own, yeah With arms stretched wide You save my life Jesus, you said me free and I am safe in your arms, rest in who you are, govern in peace as you sing over me your love, draw me away from the storm. There's nothing to fear, cause I'm here, I'm safe in your arms. in peace as you sing over me with your love. Draw me away from the storm near to your beating heart. There's nothing to fear because I'm here. I'm safe in your arms. Oh, there's nothing i'm here safe in your arms i'm safe in your arms jesus
1: always love hearing aaron play at church um if you want to check him out, he is either at the Fellowship of Two Rivers in the Donaldson area or Fellowship of Mount Juliet in obviously Mount Juliet. Um, he's always great to listen to, and he has a great team that uh, plays along with him um, and others that sing as well. So they're, they're always great to listen to on a Sunday morning. Um, also, you heard a lot about Brandon. Um, one thing you take away from him. He likes to sit down face to face. He can definitely help you get the big picture. So um, give him a shout if you have any lender needs. If you're looking at, you know, buying a home six months a year out, uh, whenever, you know, lender is a great person to chat with to make sure that you are um, you got all your ducks in a row when it comes to time. It comes to the time to purchase. Um, and if you don't know a good lender, reach out to me or reach out to. Um, a local realtor in your area and hopefully they can connect you with a trustworthy lender that will guide you along the process of all that you need to repair your credit. Make sure you tune in next week as I sit down with Brandon and we discuss the different types of loans. There are several options out there and there is different ones for different needs. So make sure again that you are uh, getting in contact with a great lender that is getting to see the big picture of what you're trying to accomplish in your home purchasing or refinance or whatever that may be. So, uh, again, we'll we'll be sitting down with Brandon, and then also I'll be sitting down with Julie Keltonik. She is a singer-songwriter. She's going to play a couple songs, and she's been in the industry um, playing for some some backup gigs and singing some pretty prominent names. And uh, now she's really focused on – Um, songwriting as that is her passion and her heart to do that also a great perspective from a a mother of two um staying at home with the with the kids and also writing and you know just pursuing that career so uh good to hear the the work-life balance with her so make sure to tune in to episode seven next week and if you're wondering what the squeaking noise is in the background, that was sitting on a big front porch in Georgia at my in-law's house while I am recording and editing some of the podcast. Um, however, I had to come inside because the mosquitoes were attacking me. I hate that. They love me. I hate them. Anyways, um, also check out uh, episode five if you missed that. I sat down with Ricky Harrison. and and talked about the nonprofit organization that she's the CEO of, Tennessee Voices for Children. Hear all that they're doing in the Tennessee area. They, they're doing a lot of great stuff, so check them out. Um, just a reminder, that's one of the nonprofits, or that is the nonprofit that I'm partnering with for the month of July, and every closing I have for the month of July, proceeds will be donated to the nonprofit. And then also for any referral I receive, I will donate um, an amount um, basically as a thank you to the referee. And uh, so, yep. If you got any referrals, please uh, give me a shout. Love to help them out. Just a reminder, I am in real estate in the Nashville area and surrounding um, towns. We'll love to help you out and talk to you about buying or selling with benchmark realty. Um, so give me a shout. And if you are also looking for a lender or a realtor in other areas of uh, the country. Um, I have access to search and I can call some of the agents and ask them some questions as I've done for some friends of mine, just to make sure they're being taken care of. So uh, feel free to give me a shout. And again, um, you got Brandon's information. If you have lender needs and until next week, have a great weekend and look forward to, uh, to the lending stuff. Also, if you have a second and you're enjoying Music City Real Estate Show, please uh, leave me a review. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Music City Real Estate Show. If you enjoyed our program, please leave us an iTunes rating and review and subscribe for more music and valuable insights each week into Nashville's real estate landscape. Send your comments, questions, and ideas to podcast at buckwalterimpactgroup.com. And remember, don't give up until you find the property that's right for you. See you next time.